Well, good afternoon, everybody. As you may have guessed, I am very excited for this week's episode for a couple of reasons. One, it's a very good friend of mine who has agreed to be a guest on this show. And I think you'll really get some value and insight from hearing him chat about mindset coming into the fall here. Uh, communication skills, sales skills, service skills, uh, and actionable things that you could do right now as we go into the fall to finish off 2022 as your best year ever. And second, just because this we're almost at the end of summer, uh, September 1st is two days away. And if it's anything like I've experienced, this has been a very quick summer, uh, but things are about to get back to, to, to the normal craziness. And with that, I think we all could have a quick reminder on some of the things we should be going into the fall with from a mindset perspective and just things that we can be doing to make sure that we have as good of a year as possible. So with that, I'm very pleased to have on as my guest, Mike Mack. Mike, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, always a pleasure to talk to you anytime, Chad, and uh, delighted to be on your show. So I uh, hope I serve you well today and your guests today as well. Oh, anytime we get to chat, I always come away with a with a ton of value, and and I wish that we were actually doing this outside having a beer, but that would have required quite a bit of technology and microphones and cameras. So I think it's just easier that we do this on virtually. Sounds fair. We've had our share of those good times over the over the years, and including this past summer as well on a hotter day. So all good. Yeah, and hopefully we still have some nice enough weather. We can do it in the fall here as well. I would love that. So I really want to jump into a number of things with you and you and I have been friends for, we were talking earlier, 17 years, maybe even longer than that. I think you're right. Yeah, we, uh, I'll share the quick inversion. We were wise enough to join Toastmasters back in the day and you were an area governor at the time, Chad, and I was a, a guy starting out in the Toastmaster journey and grateful to say that I hung out there for 14 years and that communication side has served us well. And I do regard you as one of my most valued friends and uh, talk to you and use you as a sounding board lots as I hope you do from time to time with me and watched each other evolve uh, over those number of years. So value the value the relationship more than anything, Chad. Oh, as do I, Mike. It's always a pleasure whenever I can get to uh, get some of your time just to get your insights in it. And and I think everybody that's tuned in will uh, will also get some benefit from this as well. And feel free, uh, this is the live version that we're doing right now. So feel free to type in any questions and we'll answer as many as we can. And if you're tuned in after this, please uh, just put a comment below and we'll try to get any answers back to you as well. Uh, Neil already jumped in, uh, pumped for another awesome interview. Always want to think about how to end the year strong. Neil, great to have you in here. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about is, like I said in the introduction, we're going to talk about communication skills, mindset, sales, service, things that you can do right now. And no matter what business you're in, our channel is focused on industrial real estate, but this is going to be a more of a broad conversation where I think that this can apply to anybody involved in any type of business. And where we can, we'll put some overlaps into, into the real estate market or to professionals. But I think whether you're, you're in, in real estate as a professional, a broker, anything to do with real estate, or you're an, an investor, a property owner, there's things that you can do, which we're going to cover with Mike that will help you finish this year strong. Maybe that's just a the motive that we'll keep coming back to on this is finish 2022 strong. So with that, what let's start with with mindset because we're in this weird economic times right now where inflation yeah. dominated the conversation for the first part of the year. Now it's transitioned to interest rates going up. All, all that comes with this looming talk of a recession. What do you personally do and what are you recommending to people that you're talking to to have a positive mindset 
first and foremost, before we even get to anything else, how are you wrapping your head around all this turbulence that we hear on a day-to-day basis? Well, I, I appreciate the question. It's a tall order, Chad, obviously, for anyone. I mean, we've got moving parts in our life professionally, business-wise, and family and future of our family and, and generations behind us as well. You know, I think a couple of things, first of all, obviously, that that wellness to keep keep yourself, you know, mentally sound, whether that's just physically, mentally, uh, those are key items that we do, whether that could be as simple as uh, chilling at night and not watching any TV and just kind of reflecting on the next day ahead. I have to admit for the record, and I'm obviously not as smart as you, Chad, but I limit my intake of news quite a bit, quite significantly from say even five years ago. But for the record, I still feel that I'm well-informed. I, I leverage social media a lot on items. I'm getting headlines and things, but I do know some people to get consumed with that and watch hours of it. And I always find if you spend enough time watching CNN, you don't necessarily feel smarter or better and you don't feel better about yourself either. So there's two things that I look at. Number one, I'm an optimist, but I'm a realist at the same time. And in fact, I'm by design, not not a pessimist. So I'm optimistic about a better future. That's what I get up in the morning to do every day. That's what we do professionally at X5 to serve the clients that we serve. But I am a realist. I'm old enough and wise enough, I hope, Chad, that that I look at all those moving parts that could challenge my business, our clients' business in the future, and mitigate the risk of that at the same time. So once you get past that, you've got a game plan in place and the, the news doesn't cripple you. It should inform you for sure. So those are a couple things to come in mind. I think the other obvious point is to get a broad perspective of, of people that you talk to. I don't go just hang with all the positive people that are full of life and it's beautiful, but I want to learn from people as well to get their perspective on they see what's happening in terms of, as you said earlier, inflation, interest rates, the political landscape, whatever that may be. So it gives you that broad perspective and you get to make your own decision inevitably how you're going to move forward. So those are, I kind of protect the house, if you will, protect my house from a home perspective and from the business perspective as well. And that, that takes discipline. There's no question about it, but I use that information for good and not sit on the couch slumped up and depressed about the life, um, life ahead of us or behind us for that matter. I love that point you made about the news and moderating what you're consuming. Uh, interesting. I stopped consuming most mainstream mainstream mm-hmm. media a few years ago and I subscribed to the New York Times and there's still some information that that trickles in there. New York, sorry, two New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. I've got right. uh, memberships to both, and there's still some negative news stories that trickle in there. But for the most part, it's it's covering business and issues to deal with that. And I've tried right. to just separate that negativity. And I had this conversation with someone the other day that if if all you're doing is you're consuming all this negative information or, and even in some cases contributing to it. And I think of somebody that's going onto Twitter, that's just arguing back and forth or leaving, leaving negative or hateful comments, whatever platform that is, if you're either consuming in that negativity or you're taking in all this negativity. And and in my mind, mainstream media has gone down the road of, of just producing content that gets clicks and quite often it's controversial and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, they try to create dis- discord between everybody that's in there. So it's it's really a, a hostile uh, uh, environment to be involved in. Indeed. So whether, whether it's someone contributing to it or taking that in, it's very easy to adopt that negative mindset if that's what you're involved in all the time. Versus yeah. if you're talking with people that are 
more optimistic, more positive, have a, have a better outlook for what the future is as opposed to the pessimistic outlook, then I think that you're just surrounding yourself with a better environment to have happiness yourself. It's not a surefire way. There's a lot more that goes into it, obviously, but I think your chances are increased if you're surrounding yourself with positivity versus negativity. So I really like that point that you made about news. How, how do you keep on top of just conversational pieces with if something major is happening in the news is are there go-to sources that you have yeah i obviously in that regard i mean relative to well well i'm an apple guy and you get you get some of those headlines and that's from soup to nuts i i, I definitely cloud out the stuff that gives me less uh, interest i'll give a couple comments of what i've done in the last year differently for example even facebook i have it on my laptop but i deliberately when i got a new iphone i i didn't i didn't put facebook app on there and I never look at it. So it's because there's a lot of feed that gets in there. So I've already eliminated some of that negativity. So uh, much like some of the items that you talk about, just the subscription, because as you can appreciate, if you're gonna listen, you know, read the globe or, or the national post, you're gonna get a very different view on different perspectives as well. Mm -hmm. So knowing the headlines is one thing, but then how do I navigate through that? I, I'm a fan of controlling the controllable. You know, if the election's called and it doesn't go my way or the way I, I would vote, I got to live with that. I reside in this country, which I happen to love, and I love being in Alberta as well. So those those sources are readily available. I think wise people, I'm hoping, can deselect the information that, that could be hearsay or otherwise. It doesn't serve you well. But, you know, knowing what you're going to do and investing in real estate or buying a new house and knowing where the market's going, what the price of homes are at this point in time. To be informed of that is important. You know, my wife, who you've met many times, Benita, Chad, she's she's a research queen. So if we're doing certain things and we're going to make a major decision on something or plan on a vacation, there's there's a lot of research on that. So taking into account factors of you know safety of travel and convenience and all those other matters. So the fact of getting access to information isn't our issue. I think it's deciding what we're okay to listen with and, and deselect. Maybe on the other side, you have a cocktail party and a weekend at your patio. And uh, from my vantage point, there's we had that a while ago. And, and there's a couple of people that really got into that and had their views on certain things, which I respected the views. But with all due respect, I couldn't spend an hour listening to that because I can't influence you know, where things are going to go in the U.S. or on a federal scene from a Canadian perspective as well. So there's a time and a place for that as well. And, and again, you got to put that in information in, uh, in context and decide what you're going to do with that, regardless of the business. I mean, we work with a wide range of industries, Chad, as you know. So all of those clients have to look at information, but then how does that impact our business? If you're, you're dealing with U.S. suppliers and how do we hedge that and how do we deal with supply chain and interest rates? So they, there's sources that you can select. And, uh, and I'm grateful that I, I tried to select those that serve me and our clients in the best interest. May not always be right on that one, but but it's an intentional choice. You and I know each other quite well, and we've been friends for a long time. And I, I certainly don't want this to go down the, the rabbit hole of being a political conversation, but I still, I just as friends, I want to kind of offer my thoughts on this. You could tell me if I'm way out to sure. lunch on it or not, yeah. but I, I think still on this theme of mindset, I think some people get way too involved in politics where that becomes part of their identity and, and it could be at a cocktail party where someone's just trying to yeah. convince someone of their own opinion but i think that 
and and again, I don't want to offend everybody who's listening who does have strong political affiliations, but yeah. I think that there is a risk that if you go too far down that one side, that you're too far of a conservative or you're too far of a liberal or whatever it is, you run the risk of now now alienating someone on that on that other side, and it, it becomes in my mind, destructive. If you are, let's just say a, a very hawkish conservative and you're, you're a fundamental conservative, yeah. it becomes dangerous if that's your mindset and you, and you get, you get offended if somebody says something that doesn't go a, according right. to your belief system. And, and, and then you start getting involved in conversation. So someone says they're something on, on the left. I don't want to pick anything out just to, mm-hmm. to open up a can, a, a can of worms, but let's just say yeah. something on the left. Someone says that, and now you're offended by it and it becomes this a discussion or this debate when in my mind, and this is just how I, I operate personally, is I'd, I'd consider myself apolitical because there's a lot of people in my life that are on both sides of that, of that political mm-hmm. spectrum who, who, I, who I like, who I, who I, who I love, who, they're, yeah. who I cherish. And why would I want to have my personal belief system alienate that relationship that we have when, when I think that there's just far more productive things I can be doing with my time? Mm-hmm. So I, I would say if if somebody is thinking that and they're very hardcore into politics, I just personally believe that if that's what you want to identify as, and that's just what your mission is, then go for it. But if your goal is something larger, if you want to succeed in business or you want to take your business to the next level or do something that you haven't done before, divert some of that passion and that emotion towards what you're trying to accomplish versus like you said, Mike, you can't control the election. You just, you can't, you might think that you can, you might be a keyboard warrior going on Twitter Mm -hmm. or Facebook and arguing with everybody that doesn't agree with you, but you can't influence it beyond just making noise in the political atmosphere. So I, I might have just lost a whole bunch of subscribers by saying by saying that, but I, I really yeah. do think that mindset, and this is why I'm such a big fan of yours, Mike, is you're just you're such an optimist, and you're always trying to trying to find good in the scenario and try and find ways that you can help and add value as opposed to creating noise. Am yeah. I out to lunch on that? What, what do you think? Well, you know, I appreciate it, and I and I do avoid uh, publicly talking on the political side, but I, I I've got to give you a two thumbs up on that. I, I echo everything you're saying. Um, I have views, uh, you know, my wife and I have four adult kids collectively. Odds are that half of them vote differently than we do as, as, as well. Uh, do we still love them? Do we still like them? Do we spend time together? We decide not to go into those weeds. And you're right. I think people get so far caught into that. But being an optimist and a realist is that we, we do fundamentally live in a pretty good country. And there's challenges. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And our province has its own challenges as well. But yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm a relationship guy, as you well know. So from my perspective of like, respect and trust, that's what I've talked about many, many years, that if, if someone, you know, their favorite color is red and mine is blue, they're still a good person. So I think that's an important part to keep in mind. We can really go down that rabbit hole and it can gets ugly and really takes away meaningful time. You know, if I'm in a business meeting, we can talk about what happened on the weekend, just like the Oilers winning or losing, but then we got to kind of move on and get to the business at hand. Again, I'll say earlier, uh, you know, we talk about mindset chat It's for me, it's a discipline of it. You know, there's certain people that want to go down there and catch you on the side of your patio on a Saturday night and we can talk about it. And we may even fundamentally agree, but you know, I'm okay to chat about that for a couple minutes, but if, if it gets beyond in an hour and it becomes a rant, it doesn't serve anyone well. We didn't have a lot of fun. We didn't change the narrative. We didn't do anything. 
So that's a perspective. There are some incredibly passionate Canadians and Albertans that have many views about many things. And ironically, I probably like almost all of them, you know, those that are in my circle in that regard. And I'd give them the time of day every time. So it's, uh, it's something to be aware of. And for the record, Chad, and I think you would echo that, it's not about suggesting it's holier than thou versus you have a view, keep your opinion to yourself, unless you're asked to be a political an- analyst at a, a, you know, an election debate. That's a different conversation than keyboard warriors, if you will, that we can say whatever we want without you know, recourse. Not technically true as much in social media anymore, but it's a, it's, it's a record for a long time. Yeah, I love that quote by uh, Mike Tyson. Maybe it wasn't even Mike Tyson. I, 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 that was a guy that came to mind on this, and you'll see why yeah. when I say the rest of the quote. But it's, uh, he said, social media has taken away people's, uh, has taken away, uh, or has given people the right to say whatever they want without getting punched in the face, or something that to that to, to yeah. that nature is that people can just do whatever they want. Whereas thirty years ago, you couldn't just go in and say some of these things to someone's face, but in social media, you can. I, I'd also liken this to. To the mind, and I th- I, again, just coming around to that mindset, I I know a few litigation lawyers who are phenomenal what they do. Some of the smartest people that I've ever met. But I've always wondered what the rest of their life is like when they spend mm-hmm. all day passionately arguing and debating and trying to position yeah. their their narrative to to what their client needs. How it would be possible to then go home? have a healthy conversation with your wife, have a healthy conversation with your kids when you're essentially battling that entire time. Yeah. And the, the ones that I know are very good at what they do and they're successful at it. And I have no idea what their, what their personal life is. But I, I think that if, if someone is being engaged in all this negative narrative, so it can be, it can be mainstream media, media with all the sensationalism going on. It can be talking and thinking about politics so much that it consumes you and then you're getting so opposed to the other side and and you almost just hate the other side just because they're on the other side and then you're contributing to these conversations by adding negative comments in my mind it'd be very difficult for that person to take their business to the next level if they're consumed with that negativity and it's discipline as you've said a a few times now and i'd love that way of describing it if And there might be people that just enjoy doing that. They just, they love following <laughs> politics. They'd love to argue. That's just True. what gets them excited. And, and for them, yeah. great. But I, I think it'd be very difficult for a business owner or, or somebody involved in, as a professional. I think it'd be very difficult to concentrate and focus your efforts where they're best suited to have your, have a successful career. If you're diverting that needed energy towards that negativity. Well, very much so. And, and I, you know, I like to always start it off talking about mindset because that's, that's pretty applicable when it comes to the things that are occurring, be it on the political scene or otherwise, where, well, I, I said, I've echoed it earlier as, you know, I control the controllables and grateful to say we've had a, we've had a pretty good run over the last couple of years of that. And it's all relative, not, notwithstanding work and opportunities that create themselves. But, you know, when, when we first kicked into the COVID world back in March, 2020, I mean, that this is a great example. If we rolled the tape back very quickly, I, I didn't know what 2021 or 2022, 2022 is going to look like, but I knew what I could do within the environment that I had at that point in time. Our lane, we did more virtual uh, news was news. What's happening? What are the restrictions? What do you mean? I can't do what I used to do two months ago, but we all pivoted. We adjusted. I mean, mm-hmm. Think about the virtual world today of what we're doing more and more with our interactions. Still love face-to-face, don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of things that came out of that that arguably were, were for, for the better than otherwise. So I, 
you know, I think, uh, again, we go back to the optimist and the realist. Um, not a pessimist, but I am a realist enough as well to know that, hey, that may not work, but if I talk about it for six more hours, it won't change anyway. So I've decided to focus on other areas that will have a bigger impact on me, my family, my business, even the community for that matter. I love this city. Great message. And and I would, I would add on to that too, is that uh, for anybody listening, uh, the virtual calls are a game changer in my mind of being able to talk to somebody on and anywhere in the world and still have a virtual face-to-face meeting. I've been doing podcasts. I started right after uh, a COVID came in as well. And I found that there was a little bit of a lag at the beginning as people were figuring out how, how all this technology worked. But now there's almost everybody I reach out to, uh, to be a guest agrees to do it because it's a quick meeting. You can have a, as short as a five or 10 minute virtual call. Yeah. They can do it from their office. It's not an inconvenience. You don't have to fly anywhere. They don't have to fly anywhere. So I'd encourage people, if you haven't already done that, just reach out to someone that you've wanted to connect with and just ask if you could do a quick five minute call, because I, th- I think you'd be surprised at how receptive people are to do it. And again, that's just being doing something proactive and productive as opposed to going down that rabbit hole of, of, and I'm not saying that everybody that's listening is, is doing that by any means. I know people that are, that are tuned in are, are probably along the same line of thought as, as Mike and I, but just try to try to do things that are, that are creative. And, and that's a segue to what I wanted to talk to you about next, Mike, is sure. some of the things that people can do. So I think we've covered mindset in quite, quite a big detail, but you're, you're a sales service, uh, and communication expert, and you are without doubt the best in-person speaker I've ever had the chance to listen to. So we can't necessarily cover that right now, especially when we're doing this virtually, not everyone's going to have the opportunity to speak, but what, let's start with communication. Cause I think that's a natural spot. What, what are you, what, what would be your high level advice to someone on something that they can do to improve the communication that they have and and it can be as broad as you want to answer this it can be uh everything whether they're talking to coworkers or potential clients or their family or it can be very specific on just what one trait or skill that they can work on right now right well as you can appreciate i am very passionate about on the communication side and fortunately kind of built a quasi career on that over the last number of years because everything that we do within our business we, we talk about communication the client's going to do strategic planning or executive coaching. Communication comes up in conversation. There's there's a couple high-level items that I'll share. One's a bit more structured that I'll talk about that second. But you and I met through Toastmasters, Chad, and, and I, I, I was involved and I have my distinguished Toastmaster designation from 14 plus years in Toastmasters. People often ask, you know, what's the greatest thing that you learned from Toastmasters? Number one, I became a better listener. And from a communication perspective, Chad, we can be in a room with 20 Toastmasters, but one person's talking at a time. Sadly, two people in a boardroom or in a coffee shop can't even do that sometimes because they're both talking over each other. So listening to the other person, you know, and this is a John C. Maxwell book, Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. Connecting is about the other person. So if you want to get to know them better, get their point of view, you do have to listen to them. Now, from a professional perspective, Chad, as you know, we've been an authorized partner with Everything Disc for a long time. And that tool we love. Not only we use it for our own team and our family has it, our clients have it as well. And no sell on Everything Disc today, Chad, but rather just articulating the three basic takeaways of using a tool like that. Number one, it enhances self-awareness. If you, we, we look at the statistics out there and say the hundred or thousands of people that you know, Chad, 
there's many people, sadly, that really lack self-awareness of, of how they're showing up in that room and how they're interacting with other people. The second aspect is how we react to other people, other styles. So I'm a people guy, Chad, as you know. But if we're going to hang out and have a beer with a highly analytical person, we've got to appreciate that, that that pace of conversation may not be the same as you and I. But that doesn't mean we can't learn a ton from them and understand that they're good people. Ultimately, all of us, regardless of where we're coming, you know, we could we could apply that in the political world as well. You know, if we looked at it, this is all rolled up in a bow to say, how do we inevitably build more effective relationships, working wise or otherwise? So you work in a business with 50 people, Chad, as many people do, or 500 people or a thousand people or even five. Odds are that there's no two people that are going to be exactly alike. So those are the two fundamentals. Well, I, I'm kind compliments you gave me on my on my public speaking proudness, but the listening skills I'm honestly more proud of because I can do that one to one with a highly introverted person, be in a boardroom and facilitate a meeting and draw out the quietest person in the room that might have the best idea possible. So a couple of quick perspectives there, Chad. I love it. And and I can think of numerous examples where sit, sitting around a boardroom table or sitting in some meeting, and it's quite often the people that, that are either naturally talkative or they just have that gift of the gab who mm -hmm. tend to dominate the conversation where it might sure. be somebody that's more timid or just doesn't want to say something embarrassing that's very quiet, but they they probably have something very valuable to say. And if someone's not actively listening, which you are an expert at that, I've noticed every single time we've, we've uh, spent time together, you're not checking your phone. You're not distracted by what's going on around. You really do engage in that active listening. And, and I think that that is something that we, we can all learn from. I, I learned a, a many years ago when giving presentations to, to clients mm -hmm. uh, that when I first started, I try to go in and say all these things that I'm good at doing and all these things that my company has done and all the ways we're going to market the property. And I found that that's what everybody was doing. Everybody yeah. was going in and it was just sure. a dog and pony show to see who had the nice nicest dog and pony and they would be the ones that won but when i shifted that conversation to, to saying here's here's a presentation we'll leave it with you you're free to go through this and and look at what you want on your own but i just want to i want to ask you some questions i just like what what have you found that that you liked with working with brokers in the past what didn't you like about working with brokers what are you looking for in a marketing plan what what can you tell me about this building that i might not already know and if i if i could get them talking and actively listening and taking this stuff down to me that was just a more powerful way of having a, a two-way dialogue as opposed to me just giving a proposal which they've seen numerous other times already and the only reason that, that works is because they now sense that it's more of a partnership as opposed to me just trying to do a job. And once the job is done, it, it's over. I, I'd rather be more of a relationship. And as you said, you, you have to listen. You, it's that, that's and Toastmasters was 100% right. And for people might not know about Toastmasters, actually. And, and I think I think it's worth explaining you you did it a lot longer than i did could you give an overview for of toastmasters what the process is where people go and, and even just the nominal cost involved sure so so at a very high level toastmasters has been around for a ton of years on an international basis and i don't know the actual count because i'm not a current member but there's probably north of 
300,000 members on a global basis. What's great about our city specifically, and I know you've got listeners in from other centers as well, but even in Edmonton alone, we have in excess of 100 Toastmaster clubs in the greater Edmonton area. So they're accessible in every urban center, if you will, for the most part. And, you know, a couple of things that I always say, you know, if you're interested in enhancing your communication skills, you got to find the location that serves you well. You know, if you want to meet after work, you want to do a breakfast meeting, as I did for many, many years downtown, that's one. Kind of the fundamentals and the path of learning has changed a bit, but there's really kind of two main streams. Communication, so to elevate on the communication side, and not everybody uses communication to earn a living. I I do, for the most part. But on the other side, you could just enhance your communication skills to be more confident. You're going to, you know, be a volunteer leader of your kids' figure skating club or otherwise. Those are great skills you can benefit from. The second area, and you and I went through part of that path as well, on the leadership side, you became an area governor. I did that as well. So you learn those fundamental leadership skills as well. Relative to the cost, it's mind-blowing when, when you say, if, and I, I'll be off in the numbers, but you're going to pay $200 to $300 annualized to get access to a Toastmaster club on a 52-week cycle and build some meaningful relationships at mm-hmm. the same time, which is incredible. So from my vantage point, Chad, you know, there's a couple of things that I say, and I'll, I'll give them the high-level point, the smart things I've done in the last 20 years. You know, I, I'm grateful. I was 20-plus years ago, completed my MBA. I started my business, X5, which will be coming up 16 years this year. I joined Toastmasters, Game Changer, and, of course, met my amazing wife, Benita. Those are my top four that I always reference that, that were Game Changers. And there's people that, that we work with in our coaching profession, Chad, and they'll say, hey, you're a peer to good communicator, so what book could I read on that? Well, you can't read one. That is going to allow you to be a better communicator. It's practice. It's not one practice. It's, you know, and I think back, Chad, in my world, I know I had probably had close to 60 evaluated speeches over a period of a long period of time. And I'd like to say I've become reasonably good at it, can always be way better at it. And that was really my connection with you when I first met you, because you were a, you're younger and more handsome than I am and all of that. But when I look back, you were an area governor and this young dude gets up and speaks. And I'm like, damn, that was impressive. So you had that natural ability, but you were smoothing out the edges a bit to be a bit more refined presenter and evidenced by you, uh, leading up a program for the last uh, almost two years as well. So pretty impressive. Yeah, thanks for that. And it really is something that I'm still conscious about. I haven't been a member myself in many years, but even just being aware of trying not to say ums or ahs or mm-hmm. you knows, thing, all those yeah. breaks that, that come in all the time. So I, I still am True. conscious of that. And I, I couldn't agree with you more on that, that $300 a year or somewhere in that vicinity we're adding on to trying to alleviate some of that negativity in, in someone's life so that they can focus on more positives. A, a step that you could easily look to do is just join a local Toastmasters club. And it, it, it could be very overwhelming at the beginning from the standpoint that you're, you could be asked to give a, a, in, an extemporaneous answer to a question mm-hmm. and talk for two minutes on a topic you don't even know what's coming up. Uh, but th- that's what, causes people to grow uh getting put in positions that they're not comfortable with is the best way to find out if you can actually change something that's that's in you and and i i could tell stories about my toastmaster journey on how i struggled immensely at the beginning but after a few years i came out in my mind a much better communicator so i'd encourage anybody listening if if you want to increase 
your communication skills. There's even business Toastmaster clubs uh, that, that that's just business owners or people involved mm-hmm. in business that are there. So it's it can be a networking group and a way to improve your skills. And it is not expensive at all. So I, I'm glad I'm glad we touched mm-hmm. on Toastmasters because that's a very easy one that people can can get into. Uh, I see, I see we had a few people, uh, I just comment. So I just want to say hello to people that are tuned in live. Ron, I uh, said, hi, Mike and Chad. Ron's a, a lawyer at a, a Dallas, uh, awesome YouTuber as well. Beverly, another awesome YouTuber. Hello, Beverly. Uh, uh, Willis. Hello. Thanks for joining in. Appreciate uh, you guys joining in. And again, if you have any questions for Mike, please put it in the chat. We'll get to as many as we can. So I think communication, we've given a couple tips on what people can do there. Let's move on to uh, sales and service. And would it be appropriate to divide those into two, or do you want to talk about sales and service combined? Yeah, I, I, you could go either way, but I think from my uh, experience and preference, I think they dovetail together. There's no question about that. You know, a lot of cases that we've been, you know, called in to because we do work in that area in our lane of you know helping organizations with sales and service. Hey, uh, sales are down, Mike. Uh, how, how do we grow it? Well, once you kind of do a bit of an investigation, you find out that you've got basic service issues as simple as no one's answering the phone or no one's returning phone calls or emails so i do believe they dovetail together you know we've talked before chat about certain industries and let's use car industry we all drive vehicles you know sales sells the first vehicle and service sells the next when you think about that because rarely the honeymoon's on when you get a brand new shiny vehicle that's great but when there's an issue and the engine light comes on that's when it matters most so when we think about growing business, regardless of the industry that we're in right now, Chad, of anyone that's, that's listening to us today, you know, obviously being effective at sales, we go back to the basic communication skills, being a great communicator, a great listener, discovering what the client needs, how we can help them with our services to demonstrate value. You know, I, I might have shared this with you before, Chad, but I'm going to do a quick visual of my hands just for the purposes of our show. But a, a Venn diagram with three overlapping circles, and we'll call that the value model. And one of those is creating value. So assuming you are in real estate and I'm in consulting and training and coaching services, we, we have something that we can offer a client, be it a product or a service. Okay, so we've got that fundamentally. What I always say is I spend most of my time on the next circle, which is demonstrating value and the line i always use is you got to demonstrate value before the check is cut so it's the return messages before the client's paying you money a lot of sales professionals in a lot of industries don't think about that you know it's it's almost selling through the clothes and assuming you have that inevitably when you put that all together particularly if you want to retain a client for the next deal and the next opportunity etc it's delivering value well, you do that through service. You do that through your experts on your team, et cetera. So there's a real full integration there. And I can get really granular on both sides, Chad, if you so wish. But that's that's my perspective. I'd welcome your comments on that because I do believe you've had a longstanding successful career. Uh, and you well, you've had success and you get calls back from somebody that you dealt with five years ago. There's obviously a reason why they would call you back. And it wasn't because you were great at sales. It's because you were great at service, likely. Uh, agreed completely and and i don't even look at myself as as a salesman even though as a broker my job is matching up landlords mm-hmm. and tenants or sellers and buyers so by definition i'm a salesman but i don't look at my role as sales nearly as much as i look at it as as service uh I, I i don't try to have 
fancy one-liners or Mm -hmm. techniques like going back to the car analogy i I remember i was test driving a car a number of years ago and the the sales guy asked me "Uh, so what do we need to do to get you in this car today and I was like, I've read enough sales books to know that uh, you're just using like the, the most cliche things you can. I, I typically don't say anything like that. I look at it that because I'm trying to match a landlord and a tenant, I want to find the best solution for them. And the easiest way for me to sell is when I, I have something in front of them. So it could be a property that they were looking for. They say, this works great. What's the next step? Then for me, I'm not having to sell. I'm not saying, you know, you need to get on this right now. They've had three other uh, companies look at this already. Uh, I don't have to say anything of that nature. I'm just showing them solutions. And if they can make the decision, irrespective of, of my influence, other than presenting it to them, that to me is, is an easy sale. Easy in context of there's still a lot of work that goes into it, but easy in, it. from the standpoint that I don't have to have to use lines like that car salesman tried to use on me to get them to, to move on it. Uh, mm-hmm. And service has always been the biggest thing. I, I'm, I'm a huge believer in value add. Uh, as, as a broker myself, I need to add value to the, to the transaction. Otherwise, it's no different than a, a server at a restaurant just taking your order and bringing it to you when it's ready. You, you have to add something more to that to that whole overall experience. And I think that that just helps that, that client have faith in, in the, that the process is working in their benefit, as opposed to just being me trying to be transactional and get, get it in and out. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I think you're, you're right. That sales and service dovetail uh, into each other very nicely. So I, I, I would love to actually go uh, have you expand on that a bit more uh, as you offered to. Uh, so maybe we can start with just service. What, sure. what are some, you, the low hanging fruit, obviously you need to answer your phone. You need to return people, return yeah. people's calls. What are some deeper layer stuff that, that a, and, and let's use this in the context of a professional. Uh, so, sure. uh, instead of being company wide, where it could be an entire service team, uh, just a professional, someone, yeah. it can be a, a, like a lawyer, like Ron, who's tuned in, uh, Beverly, who's a social media consultant. What can a professional do to increase their service? So one that comes to mind, and we do this a lot in our customer service, uh, training. So I will tailor that to the professional as, as we are, I guess, relative to our LinkedIn profile, suggesting we're. We're experts at what we do. You know, a couple of things come to mind. One, one phrase that I really like and, and I believe in and live by it is our moments of truth. You know, what does the client see about you or your organization? So always looking at those things from a client's lens. Could be as simple as, as your web page photo or your social media photo. You know, I'm not a, you know, while well, I enjoy having a beer with my buddy Chad, I have a professional photo because I'm in the professional business. So that image and optics is what you see online and in person. That's, that's one really fundamental, simple thing. You know, we talked earlier about the pro, uh, process before. I, I have to give a, a plug to, uh, to a longtime friend of mine, Bruce with Lexus of Edmonton. He's a veteran and you know of Bruce as well, Chad, where in his line, and I'm, I'm not a Lexus customer just for the record, but one of the lines that I have to give him credit for, the little things make the difference. I've seen it for me, Chad, as being a client on the service side and somebody comes back and, hey, Mac, M-A-C or M-A-K. My name is Mike Mac. It's actually a fairly easy name to spell on both sides, but you got to get that right. You know, you can do that once and I'll call it okay. So that's an issue. The other side, particularly on the service, 
when the going gets tough and there'll be issues that will occur, there'll be an issue about a solution or a, a product that didn't go as planned or as expected. How do you resolve that service situation matters a great deal. doesn't mean you're throwing all their money back, but how are we handling that conflict and how do we reach some win-win conclusion? You know, I always go into that front mindset from a uh, service perspective of think win-win. Well, it's great if we can benefit working with someone. Number one, I have to have the client benefit first and foremost. So our resolution of everything we do, number one is the client. I always, always think that because without them, you don't have a lot of revenue there. Without those clients, mm -hmm. they add up. So leave nothing to chance, I think, is the other aspect. Hey, I think I called them back. I think my team called them back. I think we sent that email. Just double check that sometimes because, again, it's the little things that will make the difference. And almost do your own little mini audit of creating your own top five list. I, I, we have our own internally within X5. But from that perspective, it is incredibly simple. Rarely is it the big thing that, hey, that you didn't lock the door in the building, but rather you didn't show up for that appointment on time. Like, oh, I thought that was tomorrow. Those things can, can really happen in that regard. And, and great salespeople, and I mean this with respect, Chad, and I know many of them are great at sales, or at least they think they were, but they forgot they weren't raised on being great at service. But you have to have both today. You know, we call it the farmer and the hunter. Well, you can be a hunter and go bring it in, but if you want to keep it, you've got to dial up on that, on that, you know, farmer mentality as well that suggests you're going to nurture that relationship and take care of it. So it could be a little bit tedious sometimes, but it serves you well in the long run. You know, I've got recent examples of a past client three years ago, just called us the other day to do some work with us. Apparently we must've done okay before it was based on the service and the delivery of what we did. We didn't sell them anything more at that time. So Leave nothing to chance on that one is kind of my, I'll keep echoing that one chat again and again. I like the uh, distinction that used to be there. You could either be a hunter or a farmer, but times have changed. You need to be a hunter and, and a farmer. You got it. I want to go back to the one point you made about the top five list. If you could just elaborate on that and and perhaps give an, an example of, of one. Yeah. So, you know, our top five, I, you know, in, in no specific order, I think, you know, I, I, I preach all the time to the team and they're, they're naturally great at that anyway, but you know, it's lead nothing to chance. So that's just a, think of it as a, just a, a philosophy. Hey, did, did I respond to that? Did I check every email today that I said I was going to get back to people? I think on the second side is making sure that if an issue occurs, listening, cause that that's the deal breaker there, you know, getting the deal is one thing, but do we listen to the client. I remember a number of years ago getting a great client that's still with us today. And we were in a boardroom and I was leading that particular meeting with five people in the boardroom. And when we presented a proposal, they looked at us and said, wow, you listened to everything that we wanted and needed. Sounds really simple, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Took some great notes, articulated what they wanted and didn't sell something more than that. The other side, just on the service, and, I, and I'm going to dovetail on the branding side is it's just that reputation management. I, I'm really passionate about that. Of, you know, how I'm showing up for certain meetings, what we're looking like, what our social media posts are. We talked at the outset of the show today about politics. We don't go there. We, we are here to serve the best interest of your business, to be professional. And our personal opinion on certain things can't get in the way of taking care of a client on the service side, right? The other side, and this might dovetail later on, Chad, on the sales side is, 
is just that structure and process that if you're going to do certain things to service a customer, having your own internal processes can really help you with that versus winging it inevitably. I think the fifth part that everyone doesn't do enough, and I know certain organizations do it, it's automated with CSI indexes or surveys after the car dealership career, get feedback from customers. That's something I want to do. Assuming I'm doing a good job. And here's a line, Chad, and I'm going to give a plug to my current favorite book of the summer, The One Thing. So here's a tip for your listeners today. I would say to a customer, so Chad, we appreciate your business, but what's the one thing that we could do to even contribute more to your business? Hmm. And it was something like that, because you're always going to get an answer, Chad. I've asked it many times versus, Chad, do you like me? <laughs> yeah, you're good. That doesn't mean anything. But the one thing could be this little thing that's insignificant. And I joke from time to time, it could be, your coffee's pretty crappy when we come in to have a coffee. <laughs> could be the simplest thing, but you wouldn't know if you didn't ask. And it's free. So ask that information. So those are the quick and takeaways. Do you automate that? Or how, how do you, or is it you just send in a, a quick email? How do you actually go to collect that info? Well, and again, our, our client base is different than, uh, than Amazon or otherwise. That, from our perspective, that, that is a, either in person or a, or a face-to-face conversation, mm-hmm. Teams call, video call, whatever the case. That's, that's not an email survey in our world. I, I want to look Chad in the eyes and, and know what that is. And, and in that regard, it's good to ask that at any time, not just after you, you screwed up something. We're grateful that fortunately we don't screw up very often because we're very conscious of that. But when times are good, you know, there's an old saying by Tony Robbins, we tend to par- party. And when times are bad, we tend to ponder. Well, why don't we ponder in all times? So we get feedback on, hey, we're, we're at the top of our game. It's like the, the best athletes in the world. Connor McDavid, what's that one thing I could do to be even faster? You're always going to get a piece of advice on that. And it will serve you well, assuming you execute on the advice. And in most cases, Chad, what's ironic is it's simple. doesn't cost you a lot of money to implement. They're not asking for the moon in the sky. But it's something that if you ask them to do something about it. I think what I find sometimes, and this is employee surveys or customer surveys, Chad, that drive me crazy, is that we get a survey and we get a bunch of feedback. But a year later, guess what we did? Nothing. So you got to do something about the one thing. So let's start there and uh, move the needle and you keep elevating that. And eventually people like God, I, I can't think of anything offhand. I'm really happy with everything. Well, that's a great problem to have if you get to that point. That's such a powerful question to ask. And and I am guilty of of not doing that end of service survey, as it were, either whether you sell a property, perhaps you have a, a closing dinner with them or or you just keep in touch periodically. But I've never actually sure. asked what is one thing I could have done better? And, and I, I, I'll actually start doing that myself because I think that is such a powerful question to ask where there's a couple things that, that really resonate with me is that one, you're, you're asking them a question which you actually act, actively have to listen to. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just the power of listening. But two, you're going to get some valuable feedback that can help you uh, adjust whatever you're doing. And, and I, I'll let you know how what kind of feedback I get on this is, is if it was like our, your coffee sucks. I'm hoping that it's something minor like that. Or I don't have to do wholesale <laughs> yeah. changes. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the idea of always sharpening your axe. And I think cl- clients would feel great uh, that they're being listened to. 
and that their opinion on that process was taken into account. So I, I, I love that point. I'm going to start doing that uh, myself. And I saw that a few comments and questions came in. So uh, Wyatt, if you don't mind pulling some of those up, uh, Neil, what is one thing people can do to become more uh, competent listeners? Great question, Neil. So uh, if, if I can answer that, Chad, that, you know, I think that the, the first one is to be good at asking great questions hmm. that, so, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty outgoing guy, Chad. So if I get in a room and someone is a little bit quieter, I, I became a better listener beyond my Toastmaster journey. But I realized today I ask way more questions than I would have even 10 years ago. You know, you go, you know, rather than sell our, our wares to someone, find out, you know, how long have you lived in Edmonton? How long have you lived in Alberta? Well, the tip is listen to the answer. And in most cases, it's a practice skill. You got to, you got to, you know, rinse and repeat. You got to do that again and again. Two things are going to happen. You're going to make a mental note of doing it. Like literally, I'm going to listen more today. And not that you're physically recording the call and or your meeting. But in that regard, if you've asked more questions, you can still argue that I control the conversation, depends on what I'm doing professionally. But I learned a lot about the other individual. So that's that's number one, that, that's first and foremost. And slow it down. You know, if somebody's not giving an answer fast enough, don't interrupt them in the middle of the sentence. And, and I, I, I'm, I can move at a pretty fast pace, Chad, like you. But I've learned to be more patient and count to five. And odds are they finish the sentence and, wow, I learned something new, but I didn't have to interrupt. Habits get formed in that regard. A lot of, a lot of people interrupt. It could be family or otherwise. I need to finish your sentence. Because I know what you're going to say, Chad, but wouldn't it be awesome if you said it yourself? And I actually maybe actually learned something I didn't know you were going to say it. So that's a simple tip. And I'd add on to that, even with this podcast format, I, I actively try to do that as well. I've, I've become in the last two years since I've done this, I've become a lot more comfortable with a little bit of awkward silence, or at least what I would have perceived to be awkward silence a few years ago, where people think that there always needs to be somebody talking in a conversation, a couple of seconds of silence as you're just waiting for that person to, to flush out what they wanted to say, or, or perhaps just think of something better that they wanted to say if you can give them that time you'll get a more thoughtful answer and and you're 100 right you, you they won't feel that you were rushing them or you're just you had an agenda and you wanted to get the answer to that question and you had to go talk to someone else if you're taking the time to actually listen to what they have to say and and being a podcast host I, i'm very sensitive to this is that I have to listen to everything that someone says because I don't want this to come across as like a scripted podcast where I'm asking a set, a group of questions. I'd like just having a conversation with people. You and I are are really good friends. So it's very easy for us to have a conversation, but quite often I'm talking to someone for the first time and I I'm legitimately trying to listen to what they're saying. So I can either drive deeper into that question, or perhaps it triggers me to think of another question that I can ask them, which might reveal some more information. So I I loved everything that you said about that. Love it. And and Chad, I got another quick comment on that. We'll take that next question as well. Just that there's some people that I know in my business life profession. I work with them on a one-to-one basis. And a couple of examples, there, there's one individual, brilliant guy, but he won't talk at quite the fastest pace as you and I would. But I've, I've become so used to it now that he'll say something and there will be this pause. And then he says something. And what he says is pretty awesome. If I wasted that three seconds of pause for him to articulate what he wants to say, I would have missed that opportunity. 
So very intentional. So again, be a better listener, but be intentional about what you're listening to and for. Love it. Uh, Nathan, thanks for joining in for the question. Uh, for someone just starting out as a broker, what are some creative or unique ways to win business and separate yourself from the competition that are more experienced? Mike, you've you've coached people in this business. Yeah. So let's I'll get I, you to, to answer first and then I'll add in whatever I can after. Yeah, I, well, I'll start up on a few levels. And I think, you know, that I, I'm by no means a brand guru at all, but I think you identify how do you want to show up today and 10 years from now? And Chad, I've known you a long time and how you've elevated yourself professionally. There's just so many things that you have done, not only from an educational perspective and, and communications enhancement and network. So I think... There's a few basic things that I'll look at that, that comes up in this industry or other industries. You know, build a great base of relationships. You know, I, I'm not from Edmonton, Chad. So from my perspective, people say, Mike, you know everybody. I don't, but I do know a lot of people. And that was one relationship at a time over a long 25 plus year period of time. There's no quota on that one. Don't keep score. I think the other aspect is, is show up and be someone that not only is interesting, but it's not trying to steal someone's wallet from the back of their pocket. And I mean that with respect because it's not just about the sale. Sure, you're going to get paid to do that, but relationships matter a lot. Secondly, you know, your, your educational background, whatever profession you're working for, do you actually know what you're talking about? That, that's an important aspect. And there's certification in all different disciplines of what you can do. So those are some basic things. Read and learn. You know, we talked before about tuning the news out, but hey, what's going on in the market, whether I'm in Edmonton or New York or Dallas or Vancouver, know what we're talking about in that lane. So those are some of the basic things. Maybe one more for the takeaway is surround yourself with some really great people as well, Chad, in that regard. You know, you and I don't do the same thing, but I, I'm a friend, but I have a ton of respect for how freaking smart you are and how great of insight you can provide me on many things in my business at the same time. So don't assume, regardless of that person and what they do professionally, that they can offer some value to you. That could be discipline with time management, networking, LinkedIn profiles, whatever that may be. So leave nothing to chance again in those relationships. And while I know lots of people, Chad, my, my quota of relationships is not done yet at this point in time. I'm going to know more people and I'm going to build more meaningful relationships because it's a choice rather than simply a number or check the list, check the box. I agreed wholeheartedly with the relationship standpoint. And, and to Nathan, I would emphasize that as well as focus on building relationships. And you'll find that you'll naturally attract to some uh, potential clients more than you will for others. You might find that it's difficult to uh, uh, network and, and build a strong relationship with somebody that's in their 60s or their 70s. It's doable, but it might not be as easy as you'd find it to, to network and build a relationship with someone starting their career. Could be a lawyer, could be a new investor. Uh, certainly experiment with it and try. But I, I love the, the points you made there, Mike. And and on thanks for the compliment as well. We're we're both members of the Mutual Admiration Club because I am a big fan of a lot of what you do as well. Uh, if I could add just one more thing to Nathan real quick, and I'm sure. co cognizant of our time here. But Nathan, I, I would I would say is I started the ex exact same when I, I was young when I started and inexperienced and I didn't have uh, many of those relationships built up yet. What I would say is don't treat that as, as a liability. Instead, treat it as an opportunity. Treat that as a strength that the fact that you're young, you're hungry, you're aggressive, 
that might be the only, if you're talking to a potential client, that might be the only client that you're working with at that time. So say, as opposed to some of the other established teams, which are going to be working with dozens or 50 or a hundred different properties, this is my sole focus. And I will run down every possible lead that I can. I'll turn over every rock. I'll answer my phone at midnight. If someone wants to call, I'll tour this thing Sunday evening. I will do everything in my capacity to lease this or sell this property for you and treat treat the fact that you're young as, as an advantage, uh, as opposed to something you have to overcome, treat that as something that you're bringing to the table at how you'll be so aggressive. And of course you need to follow through with that, of course, but treat, don't treat it as, as a setback, treat it as that, that is your strength. The strength is that you're bringing something to the table that someone that's been doing this for 30 years doesn't have that guy that's been in the business for 30 years, isn't going to tour the property on a Sunday. He just isn't. So treat, treat it as, as, uh, as an opportunity to distinguish yourself from another competitor. And then if you add in relationship side, which, which Mike has emphasized, I couldn't agree with that more is the power of relationships, especially early in your career. I'm with you, Mike. I'll never stop trying to meet more people. Uh, that's that's a goal of mine in, in perpetuity. But it's it's even more important when you're first starting out. It's just just to try and get as many different relationships as you can with lawyers, accountants, uh, potential investors, other brokers. Uh, anyone you can meet and build a meaningful relationship with has a potential to serve you much better than than anything else uh, that that you could do. It in my opinion. Uh, agree. Anything else to add on that? Ron has a question, which I want to uh, uh, t- touch on too. But anything else to add on that, Mike? Uh, no, I, I echo those points. I think I think the comment you know you referenced uh, so well, Chad. Uh, I think we've worked together in a former life, or maybe in our, our next life. But what I find, particularly in my I lane of coaching a lot of people, I, I like people to focus more on the strengths that they can leverage. You're right. Versus sometimes, well, I'm not that good at Excel. Well, okay, well, you could take a course on that, but. Hey, I'm good at relationship building. So get good at that aspect. There's so many moving parts to being a successful professional. And, you know, you've got to develop business as well. But if you're good at a couple of things, leverage it, keep doing it and build on your, your knowledge over time. Years ago, I had an old colleague of mine before I started X5 chat. And I, he said to me one time, he goes, Mike, you're pretty smart for a young guy. Someday you'll be wise. That was my takeaway. I like it. That's that's very good. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that or borrow it, and I'm gonna use that. Please do, please do. Uh, are you good if we have, go a couple minutes past? Mike, I, I just want to acknowledge everyone that took the time to put a comment in, and then then we could wrap Thank up you. after that. Of course, uh, Ron, great point. Chad needs a balance between credibility and experience to get it done versus focus and hunger for that one client. Uh, love it. Th- thanks, Ron. And I'm actually lucky to I'm gonna be grabbing lunch with Ron in October here in Dallas. So really looking nice. forward to that. Uh, Ron also says start a YouTube channel. Ron has a YouTube channel. He's a lawyer in Dallas and he's also an industrial real estate investor. Awesome channel. I agree. Start a YouTube channel and also go check out uh, Ron's channel as well. Uh, I, I don't know what your name is. I apologize. Uh, I just see your YouTube handle name on there. Uh, but thanks for joining in the question. Having a political opinion has never made me money, only cost me cash. Uh, I, I think that that's, the, that's what we've been trying to emphasize as well as you can have a political opinion and I, I'd never fault someone for that. I'd never hold it against them, but I, I wouldn't hold it against them no matter what side of the spectrum that they're on. Even if it's something that I fundamentally disagree with, there's 
factors and forces that influenced who they are as a person. And who am I to say whether someone's right or wrong when 50% of the population believes in one thing and 50% believes in another? I, I would just personally would never... Uh, never call someone out for that, but I can appreciate people having strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron, I support the current thing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, you're. I appreciate your support of this channel, Ron. That means a lot as well. Uh, any any other comments that we might have missed on there, Wyatt? We're not going to wrap up quite yet because I do want to just talk to Mike about one thing. Uh, hopefully, we caught everyone's comments. If we haven't, uh, just leave a comment below, and I'll, I'll do my best to get back to you. But I want to wrap up with book number three. So I've, like we've talked about, I've had the fortune of being your, your friend for a number of years. And I remember when you did your first book, uh, cause I helped design the, the cover for that book. You did. I'm you very did. proud you did. of you And are. that book and the second one you did both Amazon bestselling books and you've got the third one, uh, in the works. Uh, so I, 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 we talked about it a little bit last time we had a beer, but what's, what's the update? Where are things out with that book? Yeah. Thank you, Chad. I'm really excited about this one and grateful for the, uh, the, the amazing cover of the red door on the original book. But um, so I've done a book on customer service relationships. And the third one uh, title at this point in time is lunch with leaders. So I had this vision back in about November and the reality that book probably won't be out until uh, February of 2023 ish. Um, manuscript was just sort of evaluated about a month ago with my new publisher. So that's a bit of a journey so what I've done, and I'm really excited about it, is I selected, and it's, it was difficult to do this because there's so many great leaders and entrepreneurs out there, but there's 14 people that I'm uh, interviewed for the book, and you know, ranging from a number of business leaders in the Edmonton area, because I know them, but that includes Calgary, got somebody from Alaska and a couple of people from Toronto, a wide range of age and gender and industry and background. And you know, really a common theme from, from my perspective is that the resilience of where they were to where they are today. You know, you can say overnight success in 46 years or overnight success in 19 years. So I have the privilege in what I do professionally, Chad, to, to work with many great leaders. And I really wanted to capture that. And that's, that's where this, well, I enjoyed my last two books. I am incredibly passionate about this book. And just to give you context, Chad, you know, that those previous counts were a quick read at 33, 35,000 words. I mean, this book is clocking in right now at about 80,000 words. So it's a pretty big read uh, designed to be a hardcover. It will be on Amazon at, at, uh, in the new year. But, but it was something that really I'm very passionate about. And I think I'm, I'm excited that we should have a favorable outcome simply because the contribution by these great leaders is my name will be on the front of the cover, but I'm just, every time I read a chapter chat, I'm like, wow, this is a great chapter, but it was their story. So if someone's an entrepreneur, a leader, or aspiring in either of those areas, that will be the book. And uh, as you well know, I mean, you know, writing a book is, it's, we'll call it a labor of love because it's, uh, it's a great tool, but, you know, unless you're Tony Robbins, you don't get rich and famous selling books on Amazon. I mean, they take a cut, but the platform is is where it's at. So thanks for bringing it up. I'm really grateful and really proud of where it's at. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned quickly, Chad, over our beer about a month ago, you know, I, I've elevated the game with a new publisher this year. So it's a pretty significant investment relative to putting it together because I wanted to elevate that book, not only how it looks, but how it presents so I can put their stories in the best light and make it a great read for you that you can walk away with to say, wow, that was a worthwhile read. 
No one's going to take you five, six hours to read that book. You're a fast reader, but so that's the the quick inversion and uh, things will unfold. I'll probably have start to see things unfold on a marketing perspective by Christmas ish, maybe, but uh, still a lot of work to do between now and February. Well, in February, we're grabbing a lunch or a beer and I want an autographed copy of that book. Cause uh, deal. Yeah, I love the first yeah. two and we'll, I'll, I'll make sure that I share your book once it's uh, live as well. Uh, so with that, I wanted, I want to wrap up. Thanks for sticking around a couple extra minutes as well. Uh, for anyone, uh, watching or listening, uh, please leave a like, if you enjoyed this video or leave a dislike, if you disliked it and like, we just need feedback, right? Mike, we just, we want to listen. You got it. So we're, act, yeah. we're active listeners. If you didn't like it, leave a comment why, or le smash the dislike button. But if you did like it, it'd mean a lot if you did like it as well. And Mike, your LinkedIn and your website are in the, in the show notes. So I'd encourage people to reach out with you and uh thank you once again mike i always appreciate our, our time together i'd much rather this have been over a beer but i'll take a virtual call with you any day of the week yeah i was uh, i was tickled pink i've been really admiring your the show evolution for you chad and to get on the program and acknowledging you know the the kind of audience that listens but uh really really grateful and i got time for you anytime and uh got time for you on the patio next time as well looking forward to it already okay thanks okay. again mike pleasure take care